the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. In an old city bar that's never too far from the places that gather the dreams that have been in the safety of night and it's only on light it beckons to strangers and they always come in and the snow it was falling the neon was calling the music was low and the night Christmas Eve Here was the danger Even with strangers Inside of this night It's easier to believe Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly. Carrie Waddell's got the weekend off. She's maybe out buying my Christmas present. And then we'll talk about how are you doing on the Christmas shopping this year. We're taping this show on Friday coming up before the weekend before Christmas, typically the largest shopping weekend of Christmas, but maybe not this year. As we had talked after the Thanksgiving weekend sales, is that really probably most of U.S. shoppers get their Christmas shopping done, at least 50% of it done, on that weekend as opposed to this traditional, historically large weekend. So we got some... Mixed financial news. It's still a lot of people concerned. A lot of people saying this country is headed towards recession going into the new year. There's some contrarians believing that maybe we could stay out and everyone's too pessimistic. So let's get started with 60 Minutes. Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary. Growth has to slow. That means hiring. We are at or beyond full employment. And so it is not necessary for the economy to grow as rapidly as it has been growing to put people back to work. Janet Yellen has spent her career in economics focused on putting people to work. As head of the San Francisco Federal Reserve in 2009, in the middle of the Great Recession, she gave her staff some memorable marching orders. I tried to remind them that there are people behind the statistics that we look at, that there are real people, and we really have to worry about their well-being. Thousands of people were being laid off, and you tried to remind everybody that, that says, this is not about statistics. I, I think I said they're f- 
of people. And I wanted people that worked for me to take... So even when Janet Yellen is not yelling when she's dropping the F-bomb on 60 Minutes, I, th- I thought Nora O'Donnell was going to fall off her chair. Uh, she composed herself, though, and she continued. Seriously, the harm and misery that was being experienced by all too many Americans. I mean, how does that affect how you set policy, how you operate here? Well, one has to realize that people are really suffering, and I try to make sure that everybody remembers we're implementing programs that affect people's lives, and we need to do it with a sense of compassion and urgency. All right, so... She So her comments, it was interesting. So it's not necessary for the economy to grow as rapidly as it's been growing to put people back to work. And and that's the unique, I'm going to call it unique, it's just different this time because we have a strong labor market. In other words, everybody who wants a job has got one. And... There's a lot of people in this country that don't want a job. That's why there's still nearly two jobs available for anyone who wants one. I mean, I think we're at the point that we're realizing nobody else wants to work. Unemployment rates, 3.7%. They've done everything they can. I mean, how do you get people to go back to work? I don't know. It, it, now, if if so, her comment was, "Well, maybe we, you know, that's still okay." She 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 also said in that interview, "It's it's not her view that um, a recession is necessary to bring inflation down." Okay, um, and because of basically we're at full employment, the the, the spending now. We had, as I was mentioning, we had good Thanksgiving weekend Christmas sales, both at the brick and mortar stores and online, record setting. But yet then we got economic data this week regarding November retail sales, and they came in lower than what economists were predicting. So that's somewhat of a goes against the 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 idea. Well, we'll get wait a second. So we had great. Christmas sales on Thanksgiving weekend, but overall retail sales were lower than we thought. So that, again, points to, well, are we going into recession? Um, we got bad, you know, uh, New York Empire State Manufacturing and the Philadelphia Fed survey showing that, yeah, that was coming in lower. Your production manufacturing is coming in lower. Again, a sign of recession. We we got news. We're taping the show on Friday. We got news this morning that Goldman Sachs is going to lay off 4,000 employees, perhaps. Who knows? But it, is that a sign of recession? And that's what we're worried about in recessions is is the is the people lose their jobs in recessions so if you're at home trying to say do i need to be worried about a recession well if you're already retired one of the big risks you don't have to be worried about meaning you're not going to lose your job Okay. If you are still working and you never thought, I mean, I'm sure a lot of those Golden Sachs people landing a job at Golden Sachs was their dream job. They probably thought they had a job forever. That might not be the case. 
So it's back to the idea of how is a recession going to affect your financial plan, the longevity of your financial plan. And this is where, you know, you could use any of the old adages, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Or, you know, if, if you want to have peace, plan for a war, you know, that, that type of thing. In other words, yeah, maybe what we try to tell our clients is maybe we should model in an economic downturn just to see what the long-term effect is. Meaning that if you've got your plan A and it's running, in other words, your, your, your plan A is showing you that you're not running out of money before life, depending on the if you're not retired yet, where you put the stake in the ground, the stake in the ground of when you're going to retire. If you're already retired, how much spending you're doing in retirement, you know, with appropriate inflation factors and, um, you know, the discretion, you know, having a good breakdown of what's mandatory spending versus discretionary spending. And, of course, we have to make a call on what investment rate of return you're assuming in the plan. So all those things go into a, a model. And, you know, the old uh, speaking of <laughs> estate planning team axioms, you know, I understand all models are wrong. But you know what? Some are useful. And the idea is saying, let's run a model saying, all right, let's let's take a less rosy picture here. What if, what if inflation is more embedded than what we thought? And I'll talk a little bit more about that today because we got the Fed speak this week, right? Or what if we have a, we go into a recession, meaning that we think that the mark, stock markets are going lower than where they're at? And what would that do? It doesn't mean you're running out of money tomorrow or you know next year. It's just in a weird way, it's saying it affects the longevity of your plan. You know, how long your plan is going to last. And whether or not, it does it mean that you're, it's, it's too much of a hit where you are going to run out of money before life? Or is it still, are you still going to be okay? Or if you're not going to be okay, what do you need to do to get back on track? Do you need to work longer? Well, how much longer? Six months longer? Two years longer? Does it mean maybe an encore career where you can get out of the rat race and maybe go part-time for three years? Or if you're already retired, but your plan's now running out under the worst-case economic model, all right, well, how much travel did you book in your plan? Maybe you booked uh, uh, $10,000 a year for travel. Maybe you booked 5000 Don't ask your neighbor. you got to do this yourself. But let's say whatever you had booked for travel, and let's say you booked that for 20 years, okay, well, you can't do that travel anymore for 20 years. Okay, Mark, can I do it for 10 more years? Or can I do, can I, how much do I have to reduce my annual budget? Because I still want to travel for 10 years. So tell me how much I could spend every year. That's the power of good financial planning. That it's, that it, it, and those numbers are hard to calculate in your head. On that night. So that's what we try to do. We try to say, okay, now that leaves you in a better decision-making mode. All right. So you're listening to Financial Food for Thought, brought to you by the Estate Planning Team Incorporated. My name is Mark Donnelly, and my cohort in crime, uh, Carrie, is is not with us today. Uh, She's out buying my Christmas present. 
hopefully. Um, anyways, so we are an Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm. We've been helping Cleveland family build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And we build them one plan at a time. All right. And over those decades, we certainly have gone through lots of economic downturns. Uh, maybe not one exactly like this. Uh, I'll have to admit, you know, we haven't seen, uh, you know, a 60-40 portfolio return as bad as this in 30, 40 years. We haven't seen inflation like this in 40 years. Uh, you know, all those things, uh, you know, the, we, that, that, is, that is something that a lot of listeners, a lot of baby boomers have not gone through. Um, now, uh, we do, if you like more information, you can always visit our website. That's financialfoodforthought.com, just one string, financialfoodforthought.com. On there, you can find financial articles. We got calculators. You can also link to our radio show podcast. So all, you know, the, the you know, WHK, they keep a, a bank of these podcast shows. Um, going back on, it must be six or eight months maybe. And you can, on our website, there's a link that you can just go to them, pick the, pick the weekend show you want to hear and just go into that one and you can, you know, listen at any time that's, uh, convenient for you. On the website, you can also sign up for a free no obligation consultation. So we're booking those. I don't know if we have any spots left. We might have some spots left for December. But we're certainly booking January and February right now. And those can be in person or we're going into the tridemic, they're calling it right now, where we have a combination of all those, you know, contagious uh, uh, respiratory diseases, whether it's COVID or the flu or RSV. So we can still do those by telephone. We got into that uh, way of doing, uh, helping clients via telephone when we had the pandemic shutdown. And, and some people are just more comfortable. As a matter of fact, also that may help too you know don't look now but we may be hitting some white stuff pretty soon and then travel becomes precarious and so again a lot of times as opposed to saying well i'm gonna i'm not you plan a meeting or a consultation and we have a terrible snowstorm and you don't want to drive across town yeah we can we can do those consultations by phone so you can sign up for a free consultation on our website financialfoodforthought.com or you can do it the old-fashioned way and just call our home office so our home office number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Just leave a message and uh, someone will get back to you on Monday. All right. So during the last few shows, we've been concentrating on what we call year-end planning, you know, how we help clients at this time of year try to review things that, you know, making sure they've got the required minimum distributions completed, making sure they've got enough estimated taxes paid in so they don't get, you know, underestimated interest penalties, things like that. Um, we've also been saying, okay, what year end maneuvers, you know, are you going to do a Roth conversion? Are you going to, um, do you need to raise more money? you know, for us for the Christmas spending or just whatever, the the idea that your cash reserve is getting low. We always say when you're going in, you know, when you're building a financial model, you always want to make sure that you start off the year with a good cash reserve, especially if there's going to be economic downturns in in the near future. You know, they always say that's one of your first defenses against a, a economic downturn is do you have enough big enough cash reserve that if you had it, whether it be a plan a big planned expense like a new car or something or even an unplanned expense 
that emergency expense that you, if you didn't want to sell your stocks low, you wouldn't have to. You could rely on the cash reserve. So those are good things. So we've, that's what we've been concentrating in the last few shows. You can go back and, you know, catch the podcast. Well, so I want to talk a little bit more about today and a little spin on it is there's, uh, we always get the question, we, we, like I said, for the last decades, we, we've always gotten this question is, well, Mark, I'm, maybe I'm going into retirement or I'm in retirement and I, and I, I want to know if I should pay off my mortgage. And that's always a good question. And it's not always the, the same answer for every client. And so you, you have to kind of see, you have to kind of weigh the pluses and minuses and a lot of different, and, and depending on what assumptions you're making, because in that decision, you know, you have all those things. Well, what more, what is your mortgage rate? Or, you know, what would you use to pay off the mortgage? I mean, do you got cash under the mattress that you're using or are you going to have to, you know, sell investments to, to raise it? Um, or, you know, that idea, sometimes it's the idea where you're, you're, you're buying a new house, you're selling the old house and you know you're deciding well i'm going to get proceeds on the sale of my old house should i use that to put all down on my new house or should i just put the traditional 20 percent down and take a 30-year mortgage or 15-year mortgage and then with my proceeds and reinvest that for long-term growth so so i want to talk a little bit about that but like i said we we did get a lot of economic data and i already mentioned it, the, you know, uh, uh, Janet Yellen's take on some of the current economic data. We, we got the Federal Reserve raise their rates, you know, 50 basis points. No surprise there. That was pretty much the, everybody knew they were going to do that. Um, it was less than the 75 uh, basis points that they have been doing. Still though, not, you know, some people were hoping maybe it would only be 25 basis points. I don't think you're going to see the 25 basis points till next year. Um, and, 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 and Fed Chair Powell, he pretty much laid it out. You know, he's saying that, uh, you know, with this, uh, 50 basis point, it's going to take the range, their benchmark rate, you know, from four and a quarter to four and a half. Okay. By the way, that's about the highest level in 15 years. Um, and they're trying to get that even higher. They want to go higher. They want to go maybe up to five, five and a half. Okay. By the end of next year. So that means that are they going to do three more 25 basis point hikes? You know, that type of thing. And so I also the, uh, John Williams, who is the New York Fed president. I heard him interviewed on Bloomberg this week after, you know, Paul spoke. And he had an interesting take on that. And they asked him again, you know, are we headed for a recession? And he's in the same camp. He's saying, well, he doesn't think a recession is, you know, has to happen. But if it does happen, he thinks it'll be shallow. Not like the, um, and he doesn't see the stagflation situation or the, uh, wage spiral problems that, that, you know, occurred back in the late seventies. And, and he says, no, he thinks that, that they've got a better handle on that and we're not going down that path again, which is great news if we can believe him, right? But he is admitting that the inflation is a bit stickier than what they at first forecasted, you know, surprise, you know, surprise, and some of the PPI and the, and the, and the CPI data we're going to look at too. But his interesting point was 
he feels that, and when he, when he's speaking, it's somewhat the, what the whole all the central bankers are thinking, you know, globally. As a matter of fact, um, he thinks that the Fed funds rate has to get above the inflation rate in order to get back on track to their target two percent inflation rate. All right, so he thinks that's a key, you know, level that they have to get to. So what he's what he's kind of projecting that by the end of 2023, the federal funds rate will be five to five and a half percent and the inflation rate will be down to three to three and a half percent, getting over that curve. In other words, that the Fed funds rate is higher than the inflation rate. Now, we're not really any nearer that today. If you look at today, if you look at core CPI, it's probably around six Um you know, that's what the Fed uses. Now, a lot of people want to use headline CPI. That's higher. That's about 7.1%. That's some of the CPI data we got this week. Um, but here's the point. Why, why do, so why do, and this is the long debate. Why do Federal Reserve bank officials, central bankers and most economists, why do they use core, which excludes food and energy as opposed to headline, which is what, you know, most people say, well, I have to buy gasoline. I have to buy food. So why aren't they using that? Well, just think about that because if it's too volatile that for like gasoline. So gasoline, it's no longer $5 a gallon, it's $3 a gallon. Okay, well, that's a 40% drop. So are you now assuming then that you're going to cut your your projection for all your expenses by 40% because gasoline came down from $5 a gallon to $3 a gallon? Of course not. So, 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 you know, you can't play both sides of that, you know, game where, where you're saying, well, uh, yeah, when I want to use uh, headline CPI, but yet when, well, you know, that's why they don't like that. How about the price of eggs? Okay. We were paying higher than $3 a dozen of eggs not too long ago. And now it's $2 back to dollars again. That, that's only a 30% drop. But even so, are you assuming that your whole grocery, you know, that all your other expenses, your real estate taxes and your utilities, you think, oh, they're all going to drop by 30%? 30% because the price of eggs came down 30%? No, that's, you know, so that's one of the reasons why the Federal Reserve looks at core, not headline. And and I always tell my clients too, forget about CPI or CPO or any of them. Why don't you calculate your personal inflation rate? Wouldn't that be more accurate? And wouldn't you have more confidence in your financial plan if you're using your personal inflation rate as opposed to some benchmark index? Seems to make more sense to me. But anyways, so we'll keep an eye on that. Now, so last week we got the PPI, the producer price index. That's, you know, how much manufacturers are getting for their products, you know. And and so that also is an indicator of how the economy, how everything is going. And so, and this is where some people hopped on the, one of the, you know, we all, and, but, you know, it, you can't just pick and choose. You have to kind of look at it all. So the problem with the PPI, it gave us mixed, you know, the November numbers gave us mixed signals because on an annual basis, year over year, meaning it came in better, you know, you know, so November came in at 7.4% which was better than the previous 8% year over year. Okay, so that was coming down, right? But the problem was the monthly went ticked up. 
And that's what surprised a lot of people. And a lot of the naysayers, that's what they hopped on. They said, see, President Biden was lying because uh, P- you know, PPI actually went up for the month. Yeah, it did. So for November, it was up 0.30%, where the economists were looking for 0.20%, which was with the October's monthly increase of 0.2, you know, lower than September's 0.4. So in September, we're at 0.4, October 0.2, and then November, we ticked back up to 0.3. And that, that, that relationship between how the annual year over year was lower, but the monthly was higher held true for the core as well. Okay. So that was a little bit mixed signals, but now let's go to the CPI, which we got this week. All right. And here again, looks pretty good. So let's start with headline. So for headline for November, annual, annual year over year came in at 7.1%, better than the previous 7.7%, which was better than the previous 8.2%, which was better than the previous 8.3%, which was better than the previous 8.5%, which was better than June's peak of 9.1%. So that trend is holding up. Okay, on a month over month, this is where the PPI broke down or, or unsurpri- you know, a, a, a surprise downside. Um, the, the CPI was fine. Uh, came in at 0.1%, better than the previous month over month, 0.4%. Okay, uh, and again, better than the June's peak of 1.3%. All right. Um, now, as far as core CPI, all right, that, that came in at annual year over year at 6.0%, better than the previous 6.3%, which is better than the previous 6.6%, but still not a whole lot better than the June, you know, which was around 5.96%. So that is a little bit, you know, that's where a little bit stickier, right? Um, and that's why the Federal Reserve is going to continue raising interest rates. Um, and on a month over month, um, ticked a little bit better. It came in at 0.2%, better than the previous 0.3%. So I think you can say that, well, at least there's some indication now that inflation has peaked. It's a jagged peak. You know, you're going to see uh, ups and downs. Um, but overall, are we seeing the trend? Do we believe that the Federal Reserve's medicine is working? And we will, you know, but if you are still concerned, then what you want to do is when you're, you may want to use a higher embedded inflation rate for the next couple of years. If you're not yet, if you not, if you have not yet incorporated that into your plan. All right. So in other words, maybe you say, OK, I, inflation, you know, this year it's done. You know, the year is over, you know, whatever it winds up to be, 7 percent, whatever. Um, OK, you know, now let's strike. Maybe inflation is peak. So now I want to strike my new expenses. I'm going to use this, you know, end of the year numbers. Now I'm going to use that, you know, as my base going forward. It's going to be higher than what I was using before. And that's my new base for all those daily living expenses, not just the dozen eggs, you know, all those expenses. And now though, I'm going to make an assumption about inflation going forward. And I'm not just, and I, I don't, you know, maybe for next year, I'm, I don't think it's going to be 7%. Maybe I think it's going to be five or six. All right. Then the following year, maybe three or four. And then maybe by the next year, everything is better. 
and we're back down to what you were usually using. I don't know. We never had our clients use 2%, you know, the Fed's target. We were always, none of our clients were comfortable going that low. They wanted a little more cushion than that. So, but maybe in two, three years, you're saying, okay, we're back to what normally we're going to, we'd be using maybe, you know, three to three and a half percent and maybe a little bit higher for those types of expenses that usually are higher. It could be healthcare, could be, you know, if you're saving for college education, things like that. So that's how you, you keep an eye on what the data is saying. You know, don't get too caught up with the headline risk. Nobody knows. I mean, you, you know, whether we're going to recession or not, how, how much, what inflation is going to be or not, but at least, you know, build the model or let, you know, if you need help in that, come in and see us for a free consultation and you can call us at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. It's a free, no obligation consultation. Um, or you can visit our website, financialfoodforthought.com, name of this radio show, financialfoodforthought.com. And you can sign up for a consultation on right there, or you can also, you know, see some of the articles and some of the calculators that we have there. All right. So the other thing I'm, interested in this year is where are the investors doing their Christmas shopping this year? So because of all the economic uncertainty, are they going to the stock store? Are they thinking that we're at a low? You saw how much, you know, the market came down. Again, we had another 2% move in the S&P downward on Thursday. And that the volatility is certainly there this year. And you're looking at it, we're maybe closer to the bottom than not. Um, the, you know, there's the forecasts are coming in of where they think the S&P 500 is going to be by the end of next year. And it's not too rosy. You know, the ranges is from the experts, so-called experts from 3,500 all the way up to maybe 4,100. So it's either another 10% drop from where we are right now, or it could be at best, maybe a 5% gain. So are you looking to get back to that? Are you going to the fixed income store for shopping if you're an investor? Are you looking for bonds? And, you know, we talked last week on the show about I bonds, inflation adjusted rate job uh, bonds. So you can go back and listen to that show, get caught up. You know, we have a lot of interest in that. CDs. Have you noted, have you looked at the recent CD rates? Um, they've come way up or, you know, maybe you're looking in the fixed annuity or one of the MIGAs, you know, the multi-year guarantee annuities. So a lot of, a lot of people are interested in they're going to the fixed income store this Christmas. The crypto store, I think that may be closed for Christmas. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, the gold store, you know, everybody loves gold at Christmas time, right? You know, so, uh, that, you know, gold may be, uh, it may also be attractive. You know, certainly there's no shortage of gold commercials everywhere. Um, and, and again, you know, there's pluses and minuses of all of those decisions. It's not all your money in any one, you know, it's just the idea of having a good diversification and, you know, and go from there. Are you uh, going to the EV store? Are you thinking of buying one of those electric vehicles? Are you going to give one of those, get one of those new EVs and tie a red bow on it and have it in the driveway for your spouse on Christmas morning? Does that ever really happen? I, I, you know, we're all, we all see the commercials. I don't know. I, maybe it doesn't, I don't think it happens as often as the commercials uh, lead us to believe it happens. But if somebody, if my wife is buying me a new electric EV, okay, maybe I need to install 
an electric vehicle charger in my home. And maybe you are buying the EV, maybe you already have an EV, but you don't have one of those thingamajiggas in your home. And you said you're getting and you want one. Well, there is a federal tax credit available. So, uh, and the recently, you know, Inflation Reduction Act uh, extended the electric vehicle charger credit for another 10 years through year 2032. So it's a non, it's non-refundable credit. So, you know, but it's equal to 30% of the cost of equipment and installation for EV home chargers or a thousand dollars, whichever is smaller. All right. Um, so if you're doing it and you're, you're tr- struggling with the price of it, at least maybe the government can help you get over the, 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 the shock of it, the sticker shock. Um, businesses, they're, they're really giving incentive for businesses. Maybe they want the businesses to install them. So their, their employees, you know, would be more comfortable. They could be driving their EVs to work and then plugging them in at work. So they're, they're all fully charged. Um, so for, they get a, even a bigger credit, the lesser of 30% of the cost or a hundred thousand dollars per EV charger that is installed on the premises after year 2022. Okay. Um, so there's a there's a couple things going on there. Um, if it, sometimes the, there's also the question is, oh Mark, I'm going. I know if I buy an EV, now you're buying the actual vehicle that there's credits, tax credits. But what if I lease it? Hmm. All right. Well, no. Unfortunately, you don't get the credit for leasing as you would if you're buying it. Okay. Um, so the, I, the newly named, they call it now the clean vehicle credit is up to $7,500 applies to EVs that are acquired by the taxpayer, meaning title to the vehicle changes hands. Okay. Um, but they say even if, if you, you know, if you can't afford to buy it and you're going to lease it, um, that the, the manufacturer or the dealer still gets the credit for selling it, so to speak. So they say there's no harm in kind of negotiating with the dealer and saying, hey, look it, I'm leasing this EV. I know you guys are going to get the credit for it. I'm not. Can you, you know, share that a little bit with me? And uh, maybe there is some negotiation there. Um, all right. So I, I talked at the top of the show about the idea of the question, Mark, should I pay off my mortgage before I retire or recently retired? And it's one of those things where, you know, don't ask your neighbor what they did. Um, just don't follow maybe what your parents did. It's, it's a different, the baby boomers are going to have a different retirement than their parents. And I think everybody gets that concept right now. They, they, they have much higher healthcare costs, um, than their parents did. A lot of their parents retired and the company paid for their Medicare supplemental plan. It was part of a retiree benefit. Um, also they, uh, they, they, you know, the, that generation, they retired with a pretty good stock market. You know, it didn't go through a major recession like we had in 2008. Then another, you know, you know, possibly another recession. Um, so, and a lot of those, the, the baby boomers parents retired with pensions. Okay. Fixed income guaranteed for lifetime. So they weren't worried about the stock market declines. They weren't worried about seeing their 401k get cut in half right before they were retired. Right. So anyways, um, 
So, but, you know, and you could say it's not today, it's not uncommon that retirees have mortgages. Okay, so here's some statistics that, that was put out by the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. And they're saying between 1989 and 2016, the share of homeowners ages 65 to 79 with mortgage debt more than doubled from 17% to 43%. Okay, um, the median balance, about $77,000. Okay, um, now they also, the idea in, and, and why there's so much talk about paying off the mortgage is, is because people going to retirement are saying, well, listen, Mark, my income's going way down and I got to pay that monthly mortgage. Well, how much more freedom or cash flow am I going to have if I don't have to pay that mortgage every month in retirement? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Um, now, what is the medium monthly mortgage payment for U.S. adults, you know, ages 55 to 64? This was put out by another think tank. And they're saying it's about $989 a month. Okay. Is yours. But again, what's yours? You know, you have to kind of use your own numbers. So it is, um, and you could go through the traditional do's and don'ts of doing it, but it, it falls back to the standard ones. You know, and again, and I'm not in the Dave Ramsey camp that says, you know, no one ever, ever should have any debt at all. And, and that, and, and that should be your number one goal, you know, starting at age 21. Well, not everybody can achieve that. If you can, great. I have nothing against that, but I don't feel my job as a financial planner is to make the call on whether my clients want to use debt or not. That's their decision. Okay. And, and my job, I feel is just if they choose to use debt, I just want to make sure they can service it meaning that they don't get in over their head that in our long you know 30 year model or whatever we're saying yeah we're you know we're going to budget in the mortgage payment or the debt payment right it, it, it could be um I, I, it could be a you know a mortgage it could be a home equity line of credit could be a reverse mortgage of course there's no payments back with a reverse mortgage but it's still you know that idea could be an auto loan could be credit cards i, I mean it, it's the the issue is that the problem if you're if you can't pay off your debt or in other words you 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 start floating you know you're using one credit card to pay off the other credit card you know that that ain't going to be a a, a good time a, a long-term solution you're, you you know so that's yeah that's a different story but certainly we have lots of clients who they have no problem carrying a mortgage in retirement or using auto loans or you know and and that's fine our job we feel is just okay if we're going to do it let's book it in to make sure that it, you're not running into a cash flow problem when you have to make the monthly payment um all right, so so here's a tale of two clients, and 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 this came up this in the last couple of months, and you can see why it's not the same decision for everyone. So in the first case, the couple, the, their issue was they had a variable rate mortgage, all right, and they got the bad news that it was going up. Surprise, surprise, you know, the interest rates up, so is your variable rate mortgages, and it was going up to about five and a half percent. So they're not comfortable that they're, you know, that that's eight, you know, the, 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 the common debate is, okay, 
if your investments are earning more than your interest rate on your mortgage, why would you pay it off? Why would you sell investments, perhaps incurring a tax cost by selling, whether it's you're taking out of IRA, you know, that triggering the tax, or if you're selling non-qualified investments, could be a capital gain. All right. So you have a tax cost that's reducing the balance immediately. But also, um, if your investments were earning more than the mortgage rate, why wouldn't you just hold on to the investments and pocket the difference? That's the, that's the, that's the dilemma, right? Um, now, if, uh, now in, in this case, they didn't have confidence that their investments could outperform that five and a half percent rate. And they're, you know, they're saying it, that five and a half percent rate actually could go higher. All right. Um, so they, they, you know, after discussing and looking at everything, they decided and, 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 and what, what this was coming from is if you want to go back and listen to a, a, our podcast for the last few shows, we were talking about one of our year end planning things that we do with our clients is at this time of the year, we say, okay, do they have more room? on their tax return, let's say, to take money to raise cash without shooting themselves in the foot tax-wise. You know, even if they didn't need to spend it right now to buy, you know, the Christmas presents or to buy the new EV. So the idea is saying, well, I've got the tax room. We're in the lower tax brackets right now. I want to use, I want to go up to a threshold. and, And now I'm deciding what to do with that excess cash now that I'm getting, the cash flow that I'm getting. Should I pay off my mortgage? Uh, or should I, uh, or should I invest it? You know, that, that type of decision making tree. So in this case, the client said, you know, I think we would just feel more comfortable paying off that variable rate and be done with it. And that's a decision they made. Um, now another couple, it was a little bit different situation. Their case was that they had bought a new home and they had financed it. Okay. And now though, they've sold their old home and now have gotten the proceeds on the sale in their hands. All right. So now it's like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I take the proceeds? And pay off the, the new home mortgage, or do I just leave the new home mortgage and invest the cash proceeds on the sale of the old home? And, and we're talking about $350,000. You know, that was the mortgage on the new home, and that was roughly the proceeds on the sale. All right. Um, now, so the first thing is, well, what type of mortgage do they have? Now, they had locked in a 30-year mortgage at a three and a quarter percent rate. Not bad. They had gotten that right before the, uh, the, the, the rates increased. Um, and okay, so it's not, it's not a terrible rate. Um, and it's fixed in the sense that they're not worried about inflation. The mortgage payment, it's a fixed rate. It doesn't go up because of inflation, unlike the variable rate in the client number one that we talked about. All right, so then we said, all right, well, but yet emotionally they were uncomfortable keeping um keeping that going. You know, just because they they were in that old thinking, that old thinking, very common thinking, I guess it's always been thinking is that I don't want, you know, to have a mortgage in retirement. And he was concerned if he died, 
he'd be leaving his surviving spouse with this mortgage. So he didn't think he was dying tomorrow, but he also knew he was going to be living for 30 years. Um, so, you know, that comes into it. So we, we also said though, but also, you know, one of the things about, you know, saying, well, well, does he feel that they are, if they invested the money, they could do better than the three and a quarter percent. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't too excited about the stock market right now. And so, but, you know, we said, well, yeah, but what about the fixed income store? In other words, you've, and, you know, so we talked about that. But also I said, but we really, when we looked at it, and this is why, you know, we get together with the, the, the client CPAs and we do some tax planning because under what, what, based on that mortgage rate, the interest, he would actually be able to deduct that. He'd get over the standard deduction hump with that mortgage interest. So now that mortgage interest would be deductible. So it's really, you know, the three and a quarter percent rate, really the after tax rate is even lower. And if you're trying to do that at home, it's a very simple calculation. What you do is you take your mortgage rate, in this case, three and a quarter percent, and then you multiply that by one minus your effective tax rate. So let's say the effective tax rate what between federal and state was 25%. Okay. So you take one minus 25%, that leaves 75%. So you take the 75% times the mortgage rate, three and a quarter percent, that gets you a net after-tax mortgage rate of 2.43%. So, you know, so his bogey is, can he invest the money, the proceeds in fixed income where there's no principal risk and, and get, then do better than the 2.43%. But he also said, Mark, there's no way I want to keep this going. I, you know, in, in the end, he said, I want to get this mortgage paid off in five years. So now we're getting to a plan, right? So he knows he wants to get it paid off in five years. And we said, okay, so we started, you know, so he's now he's shopping at the fixed income store and he's realizing he could get locked in rates for the next five years much better than 2.43%. Between CDs, bonus CDs, a multi-year guarantee annuities, it, you know, even the, the, the short-term CDs are, are doing better than that. The six months, you know, and, and, but the idea is locking it in. So, you know, you can't put all your money in the six month CD at the bonus rate because the bank's not guaranteeing what that rate will be after six months. So that's why you got to lock in. He's got to lock it in for all five years. All right. Um, but it also provides him a lot more flexibility. Okay. Because along the way, you know, so every year he's going to have money coming out of this fixed income ladder. Right. Um, and he now he can either pay off the accelerated mortgage pace, or if something changes, he doesn't have to. In other words, what happens, for example, um, let's say they, they had an unplanned expense that came up and they really, you know, needed to get the, to get that done and the market was still down. They didn't want to sell any of their investments low. So in that year, that, that maturity of the, you know, the fixed income ladder that's coming out that year, instead of paying an accelerated random mortgage, they'll just knock that down and then use what they need for the emergency fund. Okay. Um, or whatever that goes the other way. What happens if they don't have an emergency? Their their cash is is fine now, though. But they they feel much more confident that the market has recovered. 
Okay, so now they're saying, well, I actually now I think, you know, my long term, my equities or maybe my bonds that, you know, I can definitely beat that, you know, 2.43%. So now I'm going to, instead of paying the accelerated mortgage off, I'm going to put it back into the market like a dry powder type of thing situation, right? Um, so, you know, it, it, it's that type of flexibility that we're that we're looking for um now what if what about the worst case scenario that they're concerned about in other words let's say the market we, we go into a deep recession um and the fixed rates though are not going up anymore because the federal reserve has stamped down inflation and the banks aren't paying the higher rates and the fixed annuity companies aren't paying the higher rates um you know what what happens up there um and what if, if he, he dies before the five years is up all right well, now we, the surviving spouse has some flexibility. Um, now a lot of people, if you're, if you're still insurable, life insurable, that's one of the reasons why some of our clients carry life insurance in, in retirement. Um, where a lot of people say, well, Mark, why do I need life insurance in retirement? Well, that, this could be a very good reason. If you're going into retirement with a mortgage and you, and, and you want to protect the surviving spouse, that there's a way to pay off the mortgage, uh, with the life insurance proceeds. So, uh, you know, you get that concept, right? If not, come see us and we'll explain that to you. You know, in other words, how much life insurance would you need to cover that risk? You know, that's, that's what we help clients work out. Our clients make the final decisions. We just help them getting through the math. Because they haven't thought about the math that way, um, or they haven't thought about those things. So you know that's what we try to do. We try to say, yeah, you have, you know, if you, our job again at the estate planning team is, are we giving you enough empirical data that's leaving you in a decision making mode? In this case, life insurance was an option based on his health. Anyways, so we're back to, all right. So they they're going to, um, if if he dies, okay, now the surviving spouse. Says, okay, well, okay, you, you still got the ladder coming due, so you could use that to pay off the, the mortgage, um, you know, still planned, you know, over the five year period. Or maybe a completely different situation. Maybe the surviving spouse says, you know what, I'm out of this home. I'm selling it and I'll pay off the mortgage that way. Okay. You can do that. Now, what do you do with these? You know, and, 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 and some of his ladder is going to be like a multi-year, a three, four, five-year multi-year guarantee annuity somewhere along those camps. So the surviving spouse still has that available to, to her in this scenario. And she could annuitize that and create a, a lifetime, like a self pension if she wanted to, to, to help with the, you know, the loss of income at the first, you know, other things. Again, that's what we're trying to do. Are we, are we finding solutions that provides the flexibility and works to reduce the risk? So it, you know, and, and that's what I think people lose sight of it. To me, so many new clients, when they come into us, they're in this thinking that everything of the financial planning is dealing with the stock market. And it's not really the case. All right. Now, I think part of that reason is because most people who hold themselves out as a financial planner, what they really are are investment advisors. What they really want to do is manage your investments. They want you to roll over your 401k so they can manage it in an IRA. You know, they're, they're always talking about, well, you just stay in the market. Don't time it. You know, and, and they're, and they're not talking too much about solving problems. 
and, and they're not, you know, getting an all-encompassing view and saying, well, what are possible solutions? And in fact, when, when we got done with this client in, in that scenario, he was like, Mark, why didn't my other investment advisors say anything about this? He said, oh, when I went to them, they just said, oh, just stay, you know, just definitely, uh, you know, keep the mortgage going. Just let us invest for it. You'll be fine. Because that's what investment advisors do. They like to manage your portfolio. That's how they get paid. All right. Um, so what they, you know, we're more saying, no, let's build a plan. You know, there's lots of financial tools in the financial tool toolbox. There's no, you know, one tool is there's no good or bad tool. Right? I mean, um, you know, uh, you know, don't use the hammer. You know, don't pick up the hammer if you're trying to fix the broken china plate, right? You know, but if you're trying to drive a nail, you know, the hammer will do just fine. You know, it's it's that type of concept. It's saying, yeah, there's a there's a toolbox full of financial tools. It's just you have to use the right tools at the right time. And that's why we're very active planners at the estate planning team. Because in this, in this quick scenario here, you can see I did two cases, two clients, same issue with two completely different solutions that they went with. And they didn't ask their neighbor what to do. They didn't just follow what their parents did. They didn't, you know, do what the coworkers did. They sharpened their elbows. They worked with their coordination of advisors their team of advisors, and now that we've run enough empirical data that they're making the decision, they're feeling confident about the decision, and they're moving forward. All right, so I hear the music, so I've got out of here. So again, you listen to Mark Donnelly to say planning team. To get a hold of us, just call our office at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Have a good week, everyone. week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.